You know, just a continuation of what we just just were talking about. Who should be policing these sales? Of, you know, of these technologies and products and services. You know, I mean, do do you know? Uh, I forgot who suggested it, but you know, a voluntary. I think Bud, you suggested a voluntary group do it. Um, well, well, the Federal okay. Trade Commission has uh, you know um, a, a duty to do this. They're just not doing it. So, right. It's, it's not being done. I agree. I mean, the Consumer Product Safety Commission has some scope, right, on devices, but it's it's limited scope and they have a very limited. Um, yeah. Right. Well, that would be the other one. Good, good, yeah. good. CPSC. Yeah. It, it, it's, they're not very, they're, they're not getting out there and actually actively trying to find devices very often unless there's a complaint. You know, it's not an active process, mostly. Um, some of the... Uh, some the CPSC once there's been a lot of devices that are out there that are problematic they've gone in and tried to figure out how to um, put some controls on it but they often will leave it to the states to do it I mean the the California Air Resources Board has been very active yes um, at trying to uh, essentially step around the the limited effectiveness of federal rules and federal agencies by making their own rules. Yeah, they, so they did uh, the Ozone uh, with Air Cleaner, and yeah. you can go on their website and find out the air cleaners yeah, that the are certified to be, you know, not make that much ozone. So I hadn't thought about that, Glenn. Th thank you for reminding me. Um, I've worked with the air resources before. California Air Resources Board might be just the ticket to make up such a, a go-no-go list on air purification technology. <laughs> And as is done in California, so shall the rest of the country. Follow. That's what I was going to say. You, you, you would hope that then other areas would follow suit because let, let's face it, if we do it on a local or state level, that means that we're going to have very potentially very non-uniform. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, it, it, know, it doesn't really I mean, work. Guidance. Not from a public health perspective. Right. All the regulations uh, regarding formaldehyde from composite wood products, that started here in California. Then, you know, EPA picked it up. So uh, I'm making a homework note to myself to get on the horn with ARB and see if we can't get something. Unfortunately, I, I just want something right away, though, because uh, well, that's a, it, yeah, it, and that's the damage is being done. Right? But see, by that you know, again, how how do we? Is it is it a single prong approach or is it a multi prong approach? You know, because I, I question whether we still need to be also getting drilling down somehow. Some cognizant authority or authorities need to be uh, getting information down at consumer level. Something, some guidance document. People want something. You know, well, they, the problem with it is is that you know you have all these third party volunteer organizations. You know, I'll give you you know Bud mentioned good housekeeping, seal of <laughs> approval, what have you. Um, but unless the end the consumer knows that they exist, why they sure. exist, and why they're important, they're not going to know the difference. And, you know, then we go back to the F Federal Trade Commission, who has limited resources and limited scopes. Um, you know, the, I think the answer has to be somewhere in between federal government uh, and possibly as long as the uh, processes and procedures for creating laws in states are equal to above 
Federal Trade Commission, then you know I think it starts there. Um, so, and, and 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 before anything becomes uh, an amended law at the federal level, it has to start at the state level. And, are you are you are you suggesting there's a combination thereof? Yeah, I do. I I, I do believe uh, that there could be, um, and it's not easy. Uh, we've been trying to get you know bio recovery laws passed uh, in, in at, you know at the federal level and you know lobbying them to you know uh, do more in regards to uh, you know revictimization of of customers, um, which is happening all the time, but. Side, on a side note, when you look when you're looking at imp- implementing any law, you know you have to. It's it's probably easier to get started at the state level. That way, you have you know a whole bunch of, of people. It's easier to get people together at a state level than it is on a large national uh, scale and effort. So, if you start out at the state level and you get other states, uh, associations, professional associations involved uh, to take a stand then the federal side of it starts paying attention. Um, and only when that happens uh, can you a- effectively pass laws or regulations to that, you know, to that effect or to that interest. It's been a challenge, though. This has been a challenge for you know, my 35 years in this industry. It, it seems like we still haven't gotten it. I mean, Glenn, you know, from, from the academia perspective, um, you know, what disciplines or uh, you know, the people that are following courses of study are, are the ones that are going to have the most impact, or maybe we can, can have the most impact with from an educational standpoint, you know, having people, yeah. you know, the higher education level understanding this. Well, for this, for this industry, it's clearly in the, the there's a several sort of uh, realms of study that are important and, and they're, they're not easy. You know, it's um, basically particle dynamics. It's the physics of particle dynamics, that sort of thing. Once you understand that, then you, it, it settles sort of the question about almost all of these devices in a sense. You can say, well, if, if, if particles are our goal here, because we're talking a lot about the virus and particles. Um, if you understand particle dynamics, which is a single course, you could say, you could apply those ideas, those fundamentals and, and actually look at any device and say whether it will, whether likely or likely will not work. And, yeah. and that's true in general of all devices. There's nothing new in terms of the science of, right. of air cleaning, of, you know, it, it, there's, there's a lot of details, but in the, in the central area here, there's no, nothing new. And so, you know, any of us could probably look at a device and tell you whether it's probably gonna work or not. And, and plausibility is pretty important. And so if you had even just a simple plausibility rating, you know, something like that. So, well, all these devices over here, they're not even plausible. Don't even bother even testing them, right? Okay. But but it's this idea that that these new, we have new chemistry, we have new science applied to this. No, there's never any new science. It's only at the details. Really? Yeah, yeah. There's okay. really, I mean, there really is. I, mean, I, 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 I think there's I, a lot I, of manufacturers right now that are cringing here, here in those words. Yeah, me, there's but, no you new know. science. It's all details, right? So I will, I will say there's an exception when you have created a new particular chemical that does a particular thing, right? So that is that can be new and have to has to be evaluated independently. But that chemical is probably just a derivative of some other very similar chemical, right? And so what what people are doing, sometimes they combine technologies in sort of new ways, but even that's not really that new. So right. I, I I would say, I mean I maybe 
Tom can jump in here, but or Bud, but I, in a sense, nothing's. It's frustrating actually for mm -hmm. for uh, us to look at all this um, wasted energy, wasted um, uh, capital on right. so, on all of these products that I could that we know don't work. And well, we can go out on Twitter and we can say, hey, this is probably not going to work, but that just doesn't, you know, reach everybody, right? It doesn't reach, maybe it reaches a small handful of people. Um, I, the, the, this issue of messaging to the people who really need it is a, is a complicated social problem. Brad, one, of the questions, you know, one of the questions we always ask in our industry going into any, uh, deploying any type of chemical or any type of treatment technology, what have you, what clinical impact is it going to have on the population? Yeah. And, you know, clinically, is it worth the investment? Um, so well, that's a difficult question to ask. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's a huge difficult question because, because it's, it's assuming you have to, to put a, a measurement on that. I mean, are you, what are you measuring? Are you measuring the, the specific goal or the possible, you know, adverse for, for instance, for instance, you go into a hospital yeah. and you say, well, we're going to, deploy this new uh, chemical technology that has long-term efficacy on surfaces. Well, they're gonna say, before we invest in this, we wanna see a clinical trial yeah. and that it has a positive effect on patient outcome. Yeah. And it's one of the things that, you know, whatever technology you're deploying, whatever technology you're, you're trying to sell somebody, it comes down to, you know, clinically, what, what value does it have in the marketplace? Sure, sure, but that has to be something that's clinically measurable. Um, sure, and, and so that's a—it's not something you can necessarily apply in you know, at, in a residential setting, right? You can do those kinds of experiments with people, but it's much harder to. Yeah, uh, to do. Uh, uh, Glenn um, and and gang here. Uh, what do you think about this? If one of our missions, if we think for let's say schools. If we're trying to dissuade people from spending money on devices that are potentially harmful or or do not or don't really do anything, um, shouldn't we just uh, uh, shouldn't one of our, our our messaging be to the Fed funding and the state funding around the country for these for buying these things to cut off the funding? Possibly. Well, I, mean, I mean that's. I mean, I, I think there's, I think you want to get this message out to the school districts for sure. But that has a layer of, of um, evaluation layer. at the federal level that has to say, oh, how are we spending money, which it should be doing to some degree. Um, right. But it, it's, it becomes a lot more complicated. Yeah, You're looking at it several years, yeah. though, to be able to roll something like that, right? Because you have to do a pilot uh, yeah. study, you have to do this and that. I mean, to, to actually have something come out published by, again, by a government agency, that's not going to happen in, you know, yeah, months and, or weeks. And when you're dealing with a pandemic, the acute need is there. And regardless if, it, if, it, if it's a perception show, it makes me feel better that I have this thing operating. Um, and it gives me a sense of calm that, and, and at the end of the day, are those particles creating a, a viral load that's gonna cause an active infection? You know, is the viral load there in those particles to warrant this? So there's all sorts of different questions and variables that we haven't even looked at from in the scientific community uh, that are you know impacting people's fear, right. the the uh, 
you know, the environments that they're occupying and living in. Yeah, I think, you, uh, uh, Bob, you mentioned something about like that, uh, that perked my interest here. Um, you, w when people apply for these funding, and, and you're right, it's not going to happen like next month or whatever. Right. These are, you put the application in, we're talking, you know, months, you know, to a year down, you might get some funding, but it is retrospective. So in other words, when you make your application, you might've already bought the device six months ago and, and you can apply and get money for that. But in the application, I think um, th that message can be embedded in the application. We will not fund, you know, these types of devices. We only fund tried and true devices something like that. Um, you know, the, the old thing, follow the money, right? Um, mm -hmm. The money's like uh, behind a lot of this. And so I, I think I, I'm just thinking out loud here. Well, and also, when I say that the, the technology is not really new, but also the, the problems are not new, right? So we look at the, you know, we knew this pandemic was coming. Mm -hmm. We yeah. could have invested 10 years ago in evaluating what would get us to the best place and be prepared for it. And that would have included um, a way to evaluate whether air cleaners, you know, new air cleaners were even worth putting in here, right? Did we need new technology? No, we didn't need new, new technology. We needed behavioral modification mostly. But, but the, it's a, it, this is a, always a problem, isn't it? With right, but, but what we're doing today for schools across the country is a really, really good thing, aside from the, snake oil kind of uh, air cleaners, the good ventilation, sure, sure. the um, 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 uh, good air filtration, yeah. talking about, you know, uh, MERV 13 and stuff. These are all good things they're going to have because the schools have been um, kind of uh, really not having the money and okay. infrastructure and that is kind of not so good. Oh, so, I agree. It's, it's been a great benefit to schools that are implementing this probably yeah. and, yeah. and 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 there'll be the epi studies that are going to come out from this and they say look after all this happened in 21 22 yeah. mm -hmm. look at our illness rates they've really yeah. dropped and stuff yeah I mean, in general even, even just wearing the masks the flu season this year there wasn't any flu season. Well, uh, yeah that's that's or true plus zero. people weren't there wasn't a lot there was less human contact too you know, it wasn't just the masks. It was both. right, right, right. You know, right. We, we didn't we, we didn't spend as much time in public gatherings. Uh, MG's got a question in the chat that fits right in, I think, with this. Uh, this question is, do you see any liability concerns for these schools who implement harmful solutions or that install air purifiers that have no impact on viruses and bacteria uh, uh, and that are only designed for allergies, dust and mold? Yes. And I'll let you yes. sort that. I just say, of course, there's liability. There's lawyers, we got a lot of them, right? So uh, if there are um, bodies on the ground or, or whatever, there's gonna be lawsuits and, and, and they, they're gonna sue everyone that was involved in the decision making. So um, unfortunately, yeah, but we, uh, hopefully we'd get ahead of the game, right? And just uh, get the schools in the right place and, and, and avoid, avoid these. Uh, yeah, even if there's no harm, there's still going to be lawsuits because there will be recognition that these devices were not effective. They were put in at an expense in them. You know, well, that's it, going to it, get people upset. In, in a way, we're embarking on an epidemiological study now of, Absolutely. <laughs> of these ionizers. And, um, and the health outcomes will become apparent, not right away, yeah. 
But yeah, it it's, it's like a difficult one to do. But yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure that the schools are going to let researchers into them to, uh, but. Uh, yeah, because what so you'd I, want to do is like the Chinese study, one of the Chinese uh, yeah. studies of ionizers was a double blind study, you know, with ionizers on, ionizers off, but m maybe easier to do in China than the United States without consent. Um, right. Yeah. But, we have HIPAA. We have HIPAA law. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, MG has a good follow-up to that, too. Uh, he just said, uh, COVID has ripped the uh, scab off this topic, which is good, but the desperation uh, leads to uneducated decision-makers, and I have to concur with that. Unfortunately, people want – inactivity is never considered acceptable, right, in time of crisis. You know, people want even you if want it's yeah. even if it's just window dressing and you're, and you're just blowing a bunch of, you know, uh, disinfectant around the space. Somebody feels like you're doing something. Exactly. The psychological, you know, you have a placebo effect, maybe. Perhaps. And a lot of it is psychological. So you get, you know, get certain people getting sick and all of a sudden panic sets in and I got to get something done. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, what we're not seeing for in in from cleaning so much and, and doing such a good job in, in, uh, in cleaning facilities is that we're not seeing the other things. We're not seeing neurovirus. We're not seeing uh, the enterovirus that we were supposed to get. Because of the enhanced protocols that have been done that probably don't do an awful lot for SARS-CoV-2. No. You know, but, but at for, all. <laughs> but for, they're, they're for, clean, yeah. For surface significant pathogens, um, it's done a wonder. Um, so that's you know that's something that we we have to uh look at and evaluate too is like uh what were the you know what were the uh you know how many cases of uh enterovirus do we have this year and and it, again being that kids aren't in school or and are not gathering some you know that has an impact on the data and all that other kind of stuff too but uh, it's just an interesting thing that uh, you know because buildings are so clean and and uh uh, being finally, you know, looking at uh, being maintained properly and not in, in a complacent manner. Uh, are we seeing improvement overall in air, air quality in these buildings uh, because of this? Uh, so, you know, there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be some real interesting science that comes out of this pandemic and uh, looking forward to reading some cool articles. So we're getting to a point where we're getting close to wrapping this up. I'm going to let each of you have an opportunity for some final thoughts and we'll go around. But, you know, prior to that, is this, you know, we've been talking a lot about schools. Is this just a school problem that, we're, that we've been discussing? Or is this a problem that's going to be filtering into the workspaces? You know, we, we spoke a little about residents and mostly about schools. But we haven't really been uh, speaking about general office spaces and just, you know, the general workspaces. Well, the school is the hot button. Right now. Well, yeah, because we're because yeah. we're very conscious of our children. I get that. Yeah. Well, or we, we we say we are. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know this virtual learning thing is driving everybody nuts. Uh, so it's it, you know yeah. I, my daughter's on the on the Zoom meetings and the Google Classroom and uh, you know it's not right. the same as being in right. person. For some, for, it, for me, it's the schools mainly. It, you have certainly office buildings. I mean, uh, you don't see any employees with me here today, mm -hmm. um, but, um, um, but, but the schools and uh, for a lot of reasons, some of these kids, my, my wife's a counselor at Berkeley High School, mm -hmm. and some of these kids, they really, I mean, there's two things drive, I mean, why it's so important. One, uh, some parents can't go to work 
if they got to right. watch a, a K through five kid, right? Or, or something like that. So there's an economic thing. But then there's also some kids just don't do well. Some do great with the Zoom meetings. But um, I'm at home listening to these Zoom meetings um, that Molly's doing. And um, mm -hmm. they really, some of these kids need to get back there. And, uh, yeah. you know, we, we could have gotten back there. We didn't, we didn't need any ionizers or any of that. We needed social distancing. We needed masks um, and um, good air filtration and ventilation. And that's we it. Head back a long time ago. And uh, but anyway, you know, yeah, now we're starting the, to get back. I mean, but for, the, lot, for that matter, not a lot of workers don't work that well remotely, too. You know, like my entire career, you know, I've I should say entire career, but like probably the last 25 plus years, I've had my office at home you know, for yeah. running my company. So, so for me, and I've been using zoom meetings for the last six years since zoom came out, you know, so this, my life hasn't changed at all, to be honest. Uh, right. But that's not the case for a lot of people. Right. And, right. and the other thing is we always, we always tend to get very white collar centric and all, all of the tech, you know, the jobs that can be done remotely, but, you know, let's face it, a good portion of our labor force doesn't have that luxury, right? Most of the blue collar labor force has to be in the field or at, at their manufacturing job or at their customer service job. Yeah, you know, and right. is, and you, do you believe that everything's going to, are we going to have change going forward, substantive, positive change, or are we going to go right back to doing it as usual as soon I as we get out of it? I think it's going to get bombed back into complacency, Bob, because it happened, you know, for Ebola, it happened, you know, it, it just, it's nature of our, our oh, culture. Yeah. This is bigger than uh, Ebola, though. You've got over a half yeah, million oh, know, casualties in the United yeah, States, you know, rather than yeah, a few guys, thousand. Guys, if, if something like Sandy Hook can happen and we do nothing, I mean, I, I, I hate to be pessimistic, but, uh, you know, that's that's a tough situation, too. Right. With gun control. I mean, yeah. but, but then is, is it not incumbent upon us as the industry? And I speak all of us here, all the factors, you know, that the three of you represent. Is is it not you know, incumbent upon us to actually take this horrible situation and, and make something positive out of it going forward and use this as a catalyst to move it forward? And if so, how do we do that? You know, Absolutely. I think we had a lot of good ideas already. One of them was the, uh, the air purifier or air cleaner list, whoever's yeah. going to do it. That'd be a very valuable thing. I mean, that, that could be done by, you know, any uh, nonprofit, um, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, industrial hygiene or IQA or ASHRAE or, you know, any other, uh, you know, is that uh, is that something that can be done through those uh, entities? Um, you know, the you know the other thing too is that when you're looking at uh, acute need and and uh, pandemics that occur, we know that the next one is probably three or four years away. Right. You know, um, and it's not it's 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 just a matter of time. Uh, you know, globalization of people traveling all over the world. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's environmental conditions where environmental you know, conditions, you know, you know the, yeah. the whole climate issue hasn't, hasn't, uh, hasn't abated over the pandemic. And yeah. uh, that's, you know, probably one of the big causal agents, right? Of this even happening of viral things jumping out of the animal kingdom into uh, our it's, it's realm. Probably a lot of things, but right. The, but the, the I, I, I agree that, you know, how do we how do we get there? But in a way, if you look through the history of, you know, indoor air buildings, indoor air quality, 
you see these fits and starts, but we see this general trend, I think, towards improvement. It's yes. slow, much no slower doubt. than it needs to be. And so I don't think we should be pessimistic about the fact that the, our, our process that we take in the U.S., which is not efficient, but does get there eventually, isn't terrible, right? right we right. don't smoke indoors anymore. Right. You know, and we have house, many, many more houses now that don't have pi radon levels. There's so many improvements that we have in a public health perspective than we used to have. And, and, and so, I, yeah, right, go ahead, yeah, I was just saying, chiming in that, yeah, look what we've done out here, starting with California again. But um, uh, 1350, right? The material chemical emission rate testing, right? That's made a huge difference. I mean, Bob, when you and I were starting in the business, VOC concentrations, including formaldehyde, were really quite high in buildings, mm -hmm. right? And uh, they're way, way, way lower now. And um, and um, I was going to say to uh, Tom, you know, that, that was government. It, it wasn't a nonprofit or whatever. whatever. But um, whether it's done through a nonprofit or, or government, uh, we have made strides in the past. You're right, Glenn. And I, I think that. Uh, and we also have to recognize that some of the, the things that, for example, the pandemic. Yes, there are, you know, our industry has a has has a role to play here. But, you know, the, the behavioral and social um uh, uh, recommendations, all that was so much more impactful. You know, at, at masks, I'm sorry, those were the most useful thing that we could ever uh, uh, implemented. We should have done it far, uh, far, far long ago. Yes, filtration, opening windows, all that's useful. But, um, yeah, but when it comes to all the other things that we talk about, you know, just regular, just allergens, chemicals, whatever, you know, we're making improvements. It's just slow. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm not... I'm not pessimistic about the future there. Yeah, well, we have building codes for ventilation because we've known that's super important for like a hundred years. Uh, so we have codes about that. Yeah. We now have codes about chemical emissions from, not codes, but like yeah. um, regulations about chemical emissions from products. Yeah. I'll back up just a little bit and say that the, there's a lot that we're not doing about new chemicals getting into our buildings. That we should be doing something about. There's a just a, you know we we've always had an explosion, but the explosion just gets bigger and bigger of new um, replacement chemicals for chemicals that were taken off the market that we don't have health information on. So that is a problem that continues that we do need to fix fix in the future. And the and the big thing is again is you know we have to we have to come up with a better way to both disseminate you know, this good research work that gets done down, distill it down to a uh, practitioner level and ha have it happen. And I always hear this, you know, this research to practice. And I got to tell you, honestly, you know, every, everybody touts that and been touting it for years, my whole time in the career. Oh, we're doing, you know, we're doing research to practice. And I'm going to say, I'm going to call BS on that for the most part, because I don't see it actually happening. I really don't. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. At 35 years into this, I, I I don't think a lot of you know a lot of great actionable stuff gets down to the practitioner level, and even more woefully is what gets to the you know the decision makers on both the commercial and residential consumers. So, you know, so, well, you I, would, I would disagree, but I think that okay. if you look at, like there's this tremendous amount of research going on, mm -hmm. and only a sliver of that really meaningful gets down meaningfully gets down to practitioners, but maybe those are the important ones. And I look at all the great work that was done at Lawrence Berkeley Laboratory during um, the 70s, 80s, 90s, where you know those were real useful um, practitioner-oriented recommendations, you know about you know air exchange rates, how to test buildings, how to test ducts, 
how, you know, efficiency of filtration, all kinds of stuff that's really useful. And that was research that is in place and things that we do. And all of the research also influences the kind of devices that practitioners mm -hmm. use now. So it does get there. It's just that, you know, the vast majority of research that gets done doesn't need to get down there. I think. Agreed. That's yeah, it, agreed. It needs agreed. to be elsewhere. Yeah. It needs to be at the federal level pre preventing perfluorinated compounds from getting into clothing or, or preventing these uh, plasticizers from getting into paints. That's different. Yeah, that's a different milieu. And it does work. It just works slowly, right? Yeah. So it, it yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So, so we're, we're going to, I'm going to, uh, Go give each of you about a, a one minute, uh, you know, chance to wrap up and throw your points out. Tom, I'm going to let you go first. Then I'll go to uh, Glenn and then to Bud. You know, my whole thing is, is that when any contractor, applicator, or practitioner uh, that is out there in the field uh, performing services, uh, you know, ultimately someone is selling a product to you that you're, uh, you know, you're deploying. Uh, same thing as a doctor, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you get the pharmaceutical sales rep in there. Mm -hmm. This drug is going to do this. This drug is going to do that. And you're like, okay, I'm going to kind of start prescribing this to my patients. It's the same thing. Okay. Do your deal, deal, due diligence on everything that you want to bring to your customers in order to, in, you know, in order to mitigate your long-term exposure. Um, you know, and you're the professional, you know, you're the one who's, who's out there essentially going to remedy their conditions. And, you know, it's, it's, it is for some reason, it always comes back to you. So just be careful, do your due diligence and make sure you select the best product for the conditions present. Well put. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I can uh, improve on that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to say something else slightly similar uh, in that uh, we just have to recognize that we're all flawed and that we have biases and that those biases help um, others influence us in good or bad ways. And that we have to be inward looking before and recognize that that is how we make decisions for ourselves and for others. And, you know, the more we think about that, the more I realize that we're flawed, the more we'll be self-critical and critical of those decisions that affect us and others. Absolutely. Bud, you're, you're muted, mind. bud. You're muted, bud. I know I've talked a lot about schools because uh, that's was, um, I've got uh, skin in the game there with my wife works in the school and, and it's, it is a hot topic, but um, the, I think the message uh, I want to get out is that uh, we can go safely back to schools with social, with masks, number one, like Glenn said, most important thing, uh, social distancing and good ventilation and filtration and really should avoid any of these ionization devices uh, or, uh, UV PCO devices, electrostatic devices, just sticking with MERV rated filters, ASHRAE MERV rated filters, or AHAM uh, clean air delivery rated filters, uh, just basic um, uh, pleated filters. And I, I, think, I think we're good. So just use these things and don't use these things. <laughs> This was this is great, and I, I great greatly appreciate you uh, you panelists uh, hanging in here for an hour and a half show because that's a long time out of everybody's workday, and um, and I 
even more importantly, I want to thank our uh, virtual studio audience. We still have a good 30 people still here in the group. So uh, thanks so very much for sticking with us uh, for this length of time for a show. Um, Margie's, Margie's got her got a, her hand up for a question. Uh, type it in the chat and we'll try to get to it if, if it's a question. I think she's question. applauding. Oh, actually. you're applauding. Sir, that is the applause sign. You're right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was an applause. <laughs> I want to shout out to Brian, who's on the call here, a, a former student of mine working in St. Louis. Hey, Brian. Well, you know, thanks so very much for joining us here on this. I'll let you all know that uh, later on today, uh, sometime this evening, Eastern time, the uh, recording for this entire show will be up and available, uh, as will the audio podcast uh, replay of it uh, at healthyindoors.com. And you can click on the HI show tab. That'll get you there. Um, in fact, why don't we uh, show you a couple of these things so, so you know you where to you, you did you, rec you recorded this? Oh, oh, of course, you. yeah, did you? yeah. You imagine? Uh, so, so, it, so you go to healthyindoors.com, and uh, this this is our uh, page, and uh, you can go to the HI show, and if you click on this tab, it will uh, get you to all the back episodes of the Healthy Indoors show and the audio podcast. Um, you can also go directly to the podcast page. Uh, while you're there, check out some of our articles, and we have a repository of all of our back uh, issues of Healthy Indoors magazine, which are available for you there, too. Uh, we're a free digital publication, so we'd like to uh, remind you that, um, you know, we're here every month. Uh, the April issue will be out uh, fairly soon, so you'll be able to uh, get the April digital uh, USA edition of Healthy Indoors. And again, uh, we're still still clicking up on the uh, on the March issue, but the April issue will be out shortly. Um, we'll have. Um, a bunch of a bunch of stuff along the lines of this discussion today, as well as this show featured in the magazine too, because uh, it's we're digital, so that's kind of cool. Um, we have a couple of other things in the pipe. We have the HI uh, Healthy Indoors online global community, which we are still in beta. It's going to be out uh, to the real uh, general community fairly shortly. But this is uh, this is an online uh, dedicated platform for indoor environmental conversations. So uh, we're basically taking the best of social media as well as live streaming and uh, content and networking, most importantly, give you the opportunity to network with colleagues in the industry, people from around the globe. Um, and a lot of the services there are going to be totally free. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, we're, we're really looking forward to that. Um, so next week, um, we, again, join, join us here for the uh, next edition of the show. We'll be, uh, as always, uh, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, for the Healthy Indoor Show. I really want to special thanks to our guests, Bud Offerman, Glenn Morrison, and Tom Licker for taking the time out of your day to be here. And uh, hopefully this has been uh, a good, you know, a, a good primer for what, what we need to discuss. I mean, I know we just touched on the topics here, guys. And, and thank you, Bob Krell and Susan Valente for pulling this uh, panel together. No, thank you, Bob. It's really fun. Never a shortage of uh, need to uh, discuss this topic more. So I think, uh, you know, with that, um, we're going to sign off for this week. We'll see you next week. Again, same bat time, same bat channel, uh, live on the Healthy Indoors show. Until then, I'm Bob Krell. Please stay healthy and safe. Mm -hmm.